All right, welcome back to our latest version of Sounds of the Session. And, man, I am looking forward to this one. This is going to be a good one. Uh, joined here today by Representative Philip DeVilliers, um, Eunice's, you know, finest son that they send to Baton Rouge to get stuff done. Um, Philip DeVilliers is a member of the legislature, member of the House Ways and Means Committee. But we were talking earlier before this started. What's unique about him is Philip's one of those, you know, there are a lot of legislators that are kind of defined by their committee because they dive into that. And, and Philip's really, in my mind at least, He's defined as a guy who comes from the real world, understands the business community, and he just dives into issues. And so if he goes home and his constituents say something's wrong or is broken or needs fixing, he will literally walk around with a big book like he's looking at, he's got in front of him right now, filled with highlights and tabs, stuff like that. He devours issues and comes in and just doesn't really stop until a solution's there. And we've seen it time and time again. And we're going to talk about some of those things that are on his chopping block and, and, and uh, whiteboard this year. So, Philip, welcome. Glad you're here. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for what a uh, lobby does, not only for our state, but it certainly helps us with issues uh, in Baton Rouge. I don't know if I'm Eunice's finest, but uh, I try to be as best as well, I can. I don't know. Right? I mean, unless Eunice sends me someone different, I'm going to go with you being the finest. So let's gotcha. just do that. Um, so let's talk about before we get into some of the what to expect this session and stuff you're working on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you know, you are one of many type of new type of legislator where you're not some career politico going to the Capitol. You're just a real guy from the real world who ran for office to do real things. So tell us, like, about you, what you do, family, what drives you, a little bit about what, what makes you tick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you see going on in Baton Rouge today is is basically a result of term limits. I mean, I came in in uh, 2015 is when I was elected, but I started my, my first term started in 2016. And I replaced uh, Mr. Mickey Gilry, who was termed out. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what, what drove me to run was as a business owner and a, a young family raising uh, children in Louisiana and just seeing the difficulties that, uh, that, it, that we have in front of us trying to uh, own a business or run a business or uh, raise a family and things of that nature. I was extremely frustrated um, with the lack of being able to get answers on why Louisiana was what it was. And when you look around and you drive the state and see what it can be, it was just, it seemed like there was something more that we could certainly do to change the direction that I could see it going in. So I decided to run. I really um, didn't anticipate to win, but I, I figured um, I would get out there and just try to see, you know, what, what it was about. And uh, when I was elected, you know. Wait, wait tell me about it. You said you didn't expect to win. So go back, to, if you don't mind, I know we're kind of going on script here, but go back to that first time you ran. Did you did you not think you were going to win? I mean, no. I mean, look, I will tell you one of the one of the things that uh, was really humbling, and I feel like God keeps us humble in a lot of ways. I have a dear friend of mine who grew up uh, in in Eunice, uh, Jody Montalera. Yeah. I think you know Jody, and uh, Jody was like, "Oh, Philip, you want to run? That's great. You know, you got to start reading the newspaper." I'm like, "Okay, well, I got the Eunice news." <laughs> and then uh, he was uh, he said, "I really want to get you involved with uh, this 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 thing uh, leading Louisiana. I don't know if it was called a uh, cable or what, what, what's the the acronym." Um, you know, you go around and tour the state yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. you get involved. And Cable has a leadership program that's very well regarded. It and all seemed that stuff, like yeah. it was that one. So, you know, he's like, you really need to do this. It's going to it's going to help you, uh, I guess, understand more of the current issues in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So I, I put in for that. And, uh, uh, you know, I had people, I guess, um, send me reference letters for it and this and that. And a few weeks later, I got a denial. Say, no, we, we, you know, you're, you're not accepted into this. And I was like, wow, it's just if I can't even get into that, there's no way I can be elected. And I had never ran for office yeah. um, or anything, so it was a, that was a humbling thing. But uh, I feel like um, 
you know, God was telling me to put my net back back out again and go fishing some more. But yeah. um, I ran, I ran hard, uh, won in the first the first round. It's awesome. Overwhelming support, and then I get a letter inviting me to go join that group. I'm like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, funny yeah. how that works, huh? Okay, so you got to the legislature. You you mentioned you came in in that term limit class, and you know now you're basically in your second term where you're kind of like. You're in between term limit and seasoned vet. You're kind of, you know, you're one of those new branch of legislator where you came in as a term limited guy, and now you understand the process a little bit more, how the capital works a little more, but you still have that new perspective on there. So talk to me a little bit about, like, has the legislative process, being a legislator, has it been what you thought it was going to be when you first ran that first time, not knowing anything about it? Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, look, I can remember walking in that door, and when you're running, you hear so many horror stories about what goes on in Baton Rouge. And when I went back to Eunice, you know, after my first week or so in Baton Rouge, I was like, oh, what, 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 you know, tell me about it. Yeah. And what hit me and surprised me the most was you have, you know, um, all the legislators in that, in that building care deeply about Louisiana. Um, I, I, I would have to say that each and every individual has a vision of what they would like Louisiana to be like. And that's why they all run, I feel. And uh, the, the issue is we have a difference of opinion on what makes Louisiana what what it is and and how can we make Louisiana a better place, and that's where there there's a lot of difficulties. And and look, let's be let's be honest. The legislative process is it's it's really a battle of ideas, right? I mean, as people go into implement their vision for Louisiana, and when those things are different, you got to battle it out. That's through that's through committee hearings and floor debates and all that stuff, and it's just part of the process. And you know, if you if you walk in thin skinned and you can't handle competing ideas, well, you're probably in the wrong process, right? right. Okay, so you're going into uh, a tax reform session. It's an important session. Um, you and, if I think I got this right, you and Bo Boyer are doing a little road trip right now, going around visiting with folks. Tell me a little bit about your little Thel- Thelma and Louise routine that you and Bo are doing, driving around the state, kind of like getting a visit with everyone. Yeah, and I mean, look, um, Chairman Bishop put together a small group of um, a bipartisan committee uh, this year, several months ago, and we met pretty much every week in, in the Ellender room and we had staff in there and we, mm-hmm. we started off kind of with a vision of, uh, you know, simple, fair, predictable tax yeah. policy. And, um, you know, if, if you talk to people who've been around Baton Rouge for a while, there's really not a whole lot of new things that you're going to come up with. It's like where the issues are today are the same issues we've had for many, many years. And um, we sat down as a group and, and just kind of looked at the old legislation and uh, figured out why it didn't pass or tried to figure out why it didn't pass and what we could do to pick up things that, we thought would change Louisiana in a positive manner to bring business to Louisiana, to attract more business to be here, and, of course, to keep those that we educate uh, from moving out, you know, to look for opportunities somewhere else. What can we do legislatively to try to fix that? And, of course, you know, we skimmed on infrastructure and and education, but really and truthfully, it it was a committee of individuals working on tax reform because we knew that was coming up, of course, April the 12th. So um, Bo and I, um, at at the end of this, you know, we had – we had legislation that was drafted. We sent it upstairs to try to get notes and things of that nature so we could go around and, and talk to members about what it would look like beforehand. Um, we had a real difficult time getting numbers or, or fiscal notes associated with these bills. Mm-hmm. So Bo and I were like, you know, hey, why don't we just get out there and, and go talk to as many members as we can and just share with them what, what we went through and kind of, you know, not to say what we came up with as far as what, you know, what's coming out of committee so much, but what do we feel like could change Louisiana? What kind of direction can we kind of um, vision, I guess, what can we give to other legislators? And certainly the most important um, bill we feel this session is um, the streamlining bill, which you may have heard of the centralized tax bill, yep. which is going to be the speaker's bill or is a speaker's bill. Um, and it's been extremely eye-opening and, and, and rewarding to go around the state and, 
and getting to meet with legislators in their areas and, and, and quite oftentimes hearing from some of their constituents about what's going on and what's really important to them coming down the pipe for this session. Yeah, that, that streamlining bill, I, I, I applaud all y'all for getting out front on that because that's a big issue we're hearing as well, especially for your your small business, your medium-sized business, anyone that is basically your Main Street businesses have been shut down over the last year. Those are the ones that have the hardest time dealing with this you know, convoluted sales tax collection process. So I'm, I'm really glad that y'all are working together to figure that out, and we are a strong supporter of that. Um, but tax reform means a lot of things to a lot of people, right? When you hear that term, it's easy to say. What are some you know, core principles that you're looking for? Like if you were king for a day um, and, and you could just kind of make a couple of things happen to our tax code to make us more competitive, to make you know, life better in, in units and all the other areas you represent, what are some things you're looking to get done this year in the session? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I use the, the three words, simple, fair, and predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever see me as king for the day, but, you know, as far as just doing um, doing something that would make You're it, king of the podcast right now, man. <laughs> king so of the you pod, are king you in this room. No way. <laughs> I'm just asking the questions. Yeah. You're delivering the answers. No, I mean, to answer your question, you know, when you think about tax policy and, and how complicated it is, I had a newspaper call me the other day and said, Philip, you know, you, you've, you've, you've spent years literally in Baton Rouge on tax reform. What do you see that's going to change? I mean, because we don't, in his own opinion, um, we don't have a real big tax burden in the state of Louisiana. I said, well, when you when you think about the term of how many how much taxes you pay, you may be right. Maybe our tax burden is low as far as how many taxes you pay. But the flip side is the burden on the taxpayer is is very high. So if you talk to a business owner today, and he or she may tell you, um, it, it, it's it's it takes so much time and it costs so much to hire CPAs and and uh, tax attorneys to figure out 100%. what tax to pay where and what collector it goes to. And it, it's just extremely difficult to try to figure out the tax structure in Louisiana. And it's always moving. I mean, it's a fluid landscape. So um, King for a Day, I would, I would want to see something that is fair to everyone, something that uh, we get representation from the taxes we pay. And I mean, I'll start off with uh, the sales tax, for example. You know, when you think about our state general fund dollars and about the $10 billion that it generates, sales tax is one of the greatest, and then, of course, income taxes. Well, if you're a small business owner and, and, you're, and, you're, collect, and you're tasked with collecting and remitting the sales taxes, you know, it takes a team of people to do that, and you have to pay for that team. And then you have to um, actually remit it to multiple different locations in Louisiana. And if you're an out-of-state uh, vendor, you're, you're, you're not even having to compete with that. If, if you're, yeah. in fact, collecting a sales tax because you choose to, you're sending it to one location. So it, it, it makes our local businesses um, extremely, it puts them at a, an extreme disadvantage to compete. So that's ridiculous, and that's something I think that we should all be able to come together on it and form this streamlined commission. Um, the second thing is when I talk about uh, state general fund dollars is the, the income tax side. Yeah. Personal income tax, we have three different brackets. Okay, which if you look across the board, that's not terrible. But a lot of our other states uh, next to us don't even have an income tax. That's right. So, you know, the personal income tax side, we generate about $3.6 billion off of that. And then you have the corporate, which we have five different brackets, and the highest uh, rate at 8%. It only generates maybe around $400 million. So, you know, our income tax side generates about $4 billion. But you might say, well, what's so complicated about that? Well, you know, you, you'll pay a federal tax and then you'll deduct it on your state income tax. And um, when you think about predictability, well, a couple of years ago, President Trump gave us the blessing of a, a income tax cut. That's right. Absolutely. And what did that do? Um, basically just drove your state income tax up. So you didn't really see any change right. in your in your tax bill, so to speak. It just and, you know, I don't know if people out there really recognize that as much as, you know, we in the building, we, we hear that a lot in the Capitol. We understand it. But 
you know, for those listening. So when the federal taxes were cut, the rest of the country in, in the real world felt that. They felt that that put money in their pocket or in their business. They can reinvest however. In Louisiana, what that did is it, it essentially lowered the deduction here for your state taxes, which means state government collected more on that. And so the, the, the true ripple effect of that tax cut wasn't felt as thoroughly here as other places because government is the one that benefited more from that because of this quirky federal tax deduction piece we have here. Absolutely. And I mean, look, it propped up the state government by four, $400 million Absolutely. Plus. But uh, what, what I really believe we're fixing to see is the reversal of that. And you're talking about in a two- or three-year time period. Yeah. So um, if the new president chooses to raise income taxes, which is what we're hearing a lot of, absolutely, um, and it's scary to think about it, but if, he, if they, they choose to raise income taxes on the federal side, that's going to shoot a huge hole in the state budget by four or $500 million. And when you think about predictability, how in the world can you at home – um, I guess, budget your money whenever you have that, those types of swings. So you think about what does state government pay for? And I mean, I know some people like TOPS and some people like uh, K through 12 education or higher ed. Um, you know, they like the health care in some situations. The things that government pays for, uh, maybe police protection and things of that nature, it is extremely hard for us to balance a budget when we have those types of, of influxes in our state general fund dollars. So on I guess, tax reform, I think we should have a vision of, of trying to do something that's fair and predictable. So one of the things that we should do is maybe have one rate on the income tax side. And I like the rate of 4%. Mm-hmm. Um, some people aren't going to like the idea of, of, of getting rid of the federal income tax deduction or uh, that along with the excess itemized deduction. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the things we need to do to where we don't have these continuous swings. Well, what if President Trump comes in and, and, and is reelected and he cuts it again. I mean, it's just think of that continual seesaw. Um, so with that being said, if we want to try to give a, a flat and predictable rate of 4%, we need to get rid of the federal income tax deductions, excess itemized deductions, and possibly do something on the standard deduction side to where we don't have a huge bell curve on the middle rate follows of 4%. Um, the same type of thing on the corporate side. Mm-hmm. Um, we have five different rates today, and like I said, the highest is 8%. I filed a bill to bring one rate of 5%. Um, which basically when you see the, the corporate income tax or, uh, filers, it's mostly the higher 7 right. and 8% rate. So that would bring them down to 5 Yep. Um, the lower rate filers typically use a subchapter S, pass-through and pay right. on the personal side. But anyway, if, if we do something of that nature of a 5% rate and, again, get rid of the federal income tax de- the deduction, um, we're still about $200 million short to balance that off. And if you look at the, the federal stimulus money, um, they're saying you cannot cut rates and use the federal dollars to backfill that, that deficit. Um, so I'm going to take a little step further mm-hmm. and talk about what a lot of businesses complain about is our franchise tax. Mm-hmm. Um, I did file a bill to phase out the franchise tax over five years. Um, that's, that has a note of about $400, $440 million. So if you add the, the phase out of franchise and the flat rate of 5% on the corporate income, it looks like I'm going to be around $600 million short to try to make that happen. Um, I know on the Senate side, they always ask me how I'm going to pay for it. I like to use the word dynamic scoring. That yeah. doesn't typically work real well. Okay, so, so explain, you know, dynamic scoring because, you know, what's your view of what that is and why it matters, especially if you're a taxpayer in Louisiana and, you, you know, you want a tax code that's flat and fair. You want to see more money in your pocket. Why? How can dynamic scoring help you get that if you're a taxpayer? Absolutely. Look, um, our legislative fiscal office is tasked with um, creating notes on what they feel is going to happen when we change policy. And for those listening, a fiscal note is basically the, the, the staff, every time a tax bill is introduced, they put a price tag on it. 
And so in, in the capital lingo, we call that notes, but in the real world, they, they put a price tag on it. And so these legislators have to balance out the, the price, you know, uh, to make sure things even out. Yeah. So if, if I bring a bill that says we're going to get rid of the franchise tax, the fiscal uh, legislative fiscal office will give us a price tag of $440 million, mm-hmm. as an example. Well, and that's all that they look at is the reduction in the franchise tax, right? They don't look at the possibility of bringing more business to the state of Louisiana, creating jobs. Those jobs create sales taxes, property taxes, and things of that nature. So dynamic scoring would look at everything involved. So smart. Yeah, looking at, um, you know, it, when you when you have a, a change in tax policy, how does that affect the overall picture, yep. the overall landscape of Louisiana? And that's what's, what I call dynamic scoring, and I think that's what the general term means. <laughs> I, think, I think it's smart, and I think it's a long time coming. And so I, I think you're right to try to find that, getting that message into, because if you continue to debate tax bills and tax reform without the ability to, to hear testimony on and document how the, the real markets will respond, you'll never have a fair you know, price tag on that stuff. So I think that's very smart. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, in fairness to the Senate, and, and they're always extremely um, adamant about how are you going to pay for stuff, the dynamic scoring argument doesn't typically fare that well for me. So um, I, I do have a bill that's coming this year to cut credits and exemptions, corporate credit, mm-hmm. credits and exemptions, by right at 50%. Um, what I really believe that does is bring everybody to the table. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when you, when you just bring in – you know, the people who benefit government um, from the tax dollars and you bring the business owners and you bring those that are are getting these credits and exemptions and also those who happen to pay the taxes all to the table. And the question just needs to be asked, do you want good policy or do you want all these credits and exemptions? Mm -hmm. And if there's a way to balance things off and and bring really good policy by getting rid of some of these credits and exemptions, I think it's a win-win for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have another bill that it's going to require a two-thirds vote and a sunset of four years if you want to try to bring back or, or a new credit and exemption to where if, if we are able to buy down rates and, and bring good policy by getting rid of some of this stuff, you can't just turn around the next legislature and bring it back so easily. So I think that's um, kind of one of the visions we have. Um, I do have other legislation that actually brings the rates to zero, but that's not – really part of what Bo and I have been trying to do. We're just trying to give the, the, the other legislators um, the understanding of what we've been talking about for so long because a lot of the members, as you know, are new. They don't know um, about how the .45 came into play right. and how that affects our state funds by $450 million today. Yep. They don't understand what happened when Trump did the tax cut and how that helped the state budget and what happens when Biden raises the, the, federal, in, the federal income taxes and how that's going to hurt yeah. the state of Louisiana. And it's really, really important for them to see that because it's going to take a real will from the legislature to try to make a change to even get it to the ballot for the people. Because a lot of these bills um, are constitutional in nature, and it's going to take the vote of our constituents to actually make it become law. And, and we all know when, when you put something on a ballot, if, if the voters out there don't clearly understand what's going on, the default over the years is like, ah, if I don't 100% know what you're trying to do, I'm not there. Absolutely. And, you know, as a voter, I can't really blame folks like that. You know, when I go into a booth— if I don't really know exactly what you're trying to do, you, you know, I, w- I want you to prove it to me. So I understand how that is. So if I can kind of put what I'm hearing kind of in your in your tax approach going into this year is your your goal is to make our tax code competitive through making it simple, flat, and fair wherever you can. And if you can use exemptions and credits to buy down that rate and make it flat and fair, if you can get dynamic scoring to give you a more well-rounded analysis of it, that's your goal to do. And so you're going to throw a bunch of bills out there, bring everyone to the table, put them in a room, and let's see if we can get to I, I, 
that's an approach I kind of hear all throughout the building that instead of um, a lot of complete polished documents going out there, it's like, hey, we're, this is what we're trying to do. Come to the table, work in good faith. Let's see if we can be bold and get something done. I think that's a good approach. I think every session has its own personality, if you will. This is the session where if folks want to kind of sit on the sidelines and hide from everyone, bad strategy. You better go in there, roll up your sleeves, get to work, be productive, bring ideas, not just brick walls. I think that's what everyone's looking for this year. And I think it's going to be a fun session on the tax side. Absolutely. And I mean, I do have bills on the to get rid of the inventory tax. You know, uh, by getting rid of the inventory. And you're touching tax. all the easy issues, yeah, man. Um, These are all layups. <laughs> right, yeah, that's real easy. Uh, ITEP, I have a bill dealing with uh, ITEP. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the governor's executive order dealt with 80-20 ITEP, um, things of that nature. I, I'd like to codify that, but get the locals out of it mm-hmm. um, to where it, it's easier for business to go in and, 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 and get the ITEP. But they also okay with paying the 80-20. So that's going to bring the locals and the businesses that deal with ITEP to the table as well. Um, I think we need to look at some of these unfunded mandates we have on local governments. Maybe just get rid of them. You know, I'm not trying to say let's spend more and, and pay for it, but let's see if we can get rid of some of these unfunded mandates. Um, and look, again, the thing I started off with is what, what I want to end with. Um, I've been talking to my local businesses about uh, the streamlining bill. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you sit down and you talk to people in your area and they tell you how, how difficult it is for them to follow our sales tax structure, we have got to have the will in that building to make a difference and change. Mm-hmm. There's only one other state that's not doing this, and it's Colorado, and they're way ahead of us. Yeah, and right. um, we have got to, you know, all be marching to the same tune and, and get this done. That's right. Um, let's just touch one more issue before before we wrap up and get out of here. Um, severance tax. Um, over the years, look, you've been a you've been a leader. Uh, you know, oil and gas is present in your area. You know this field well. You've been trying left and right over the years to do whatever it takes to kind of rebuild that industry, whether it be through legal reform or tax reform. Talk a little bit about what you're hearing from your oil and gas uh, folks back home, and and what what you think should be done right now to kind of jumpstart uh, a part of our economy that that needs a little help right now. Yeah, look, that's a loaded question, and I really appreciate you bringing that to light. Um, they're all loaded questions, Yeah, man. well, I mean, look, oil and gas industry, it's funny because sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, I'm not in that industry. Let me tell you, every single person in the state of Louisiana is in the oil and that gas industry. That is so industry. true. That is so and, true. And, and, you know, when we have coastal lawsuits, that, that is, it just blows my mind when you're going to uh, tell local governments to sue industries for, you know, 40 and 45 years of doing business under the, the, the right mechanism of buying permits and doing what you said to do. I think that's a terrible precedent that we're setting with coastal lawsuits. Um, and, and I'm really, really disappointed in that. And I really had a vision of ending that um, this year. But we'll see what happens during session. You know, I, I haul uh, heavy things. I move homes for a living. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what's next? I mean, I buy permits every single day to do what I do. Mm-hmm. So now the state of Louisiana is going to say I'm responsible for every single thing that's damaged, even though I did it um, with the right amount of tires and the right amount of permitting and the right amount of escorts, now you're telling me that I'm responsible for that? That's just a terrible precedence. Again, it's telling oil and gas companies we don't want you here. Yeah. So that's something that has to end. Legacy lawsuits, look, um, if you look at the state of Texas, they tell companies you're responsible for the damages you did to this property. Go in and clean it. But they're not telling them you got to pay for millions and millions of dollars to damages and not doing anything about it. So I think that, you know, we have to address the legacy lawsuit issues, fix the damages that are there. Let's get the property the way it used to be. But let's not just sue to sue and, and, and have all these monies tied up in some kind of account and nothing ever gets done. The lawyers, I guess, make more money. 
Um, severance tax issue, we have by far the highest severance tax in the nation at 12.5%. Last year, and again this year, I'm bringing a bill to lower the rate responsibly by a half a percent per year over the next eight years. Um, I think that's some important things to do, but uh, this industry needs our help. It needs to know that we want you here. And uh, Louisiana has everything to offer. You know, when you look at our natural resources, you look at the Mississippi River, the, the, the Gulf of Mexico, our oil and gas industry, our farming, our infrastructure that's in place. We uh, in Baton Rouge have screwed that up for so long. And it, it's, it's past time to make a difference and uh, be the state everyone else is looking to to say, why can't we be like Louisiana? And so well said. And we're going to end it on that. Look, I, I want to thank you for coming in. And, and more importantly, thank you going back, whatever it is, five, six years ago when you had that random motivation to run for office. You didn't know what you were doing. I'm, I'm glad you made that decision because every day you've been here, you've been a roll-up-the-sleeves type of guy, no matter what the top issue of the day is, whether it's a legal reform session, a budget session, a tax reform session. You seem to be in the mix every single year because you do your homework and you do your preparation. So I appreciate that. And um, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep it simple. Um, I, I was doing some reflections, some prayer reflections this week, and, uh, you know, we're in Lent right now. And, yeah. and uh, one of the reflections was how Jesus uh, sent his, these, the, the people didn't even know him, right? He sent these fishermen back out. And he said, they had, they fished all night. They hadn't caught anything. to go back out. And, and, and as we probably all know the story, they, they caught a bunch of fish. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what, what, what I'm being told is go back out. And let's, let's see what we can do for Louisiana. So just keep us in your prayers. And, and hopefully we can do what's right, working together for the state of Louisiana. Amen. Love to hear that. That was Philip DeVilliers. I'm going to call Eunice's finest. He still says there's others out there we should consider and we'll, we'll look at. No offense to Jody Montalero, but uh, um, stay tuned and, and watch what he has to do and all of his colleagues in the legislature. It will be a fast-moving and fun legislature. So if you want to stay in tune with that, you can uh, stay tuned with us. You can go to labi.org or you can sign up for our daily email list when we send out updates from the session by simply texting LABI to 66866. So With that, we will see you next time on Sounds of the Session.